The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Another parable Jesus put before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. The Gospel of the Lord. O Lord, may your word only be spoken. And may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. The kingdom of God appears and arises in unexpected places and in unexpected people. A few months ago, one of my children found an old piece of direct mail underneath the table in the house. That's not that unusual, actually, to find old mail under our furniture. But this one was a little bit unusual. Uh, This was an advertisement for the Big Apple Circus. And my son, who can't read yet, but could tell this was something exciting, says, Mommy, can we do this? Not sure what it was. Turned out it was the circus, and uh, it turned out we had about two days to get to it before it left town. And Mommy said, yes, let's do it, which is also not unusual. (laughs) And so we went to the circus. And we had an amazing, amazing time. Some of you may have seen some of the thoughts I had about that time at the circus in the Concord Journal in June. But that experience of joy and wonder uh, came in uh, somewhat random but ordinary circumstances. Uh, a child finds a previously lost piece of direct mail under the couch in our house with not much time to spare to get to the circus and usually unspontaneous dad goes along and great joy is revealed 
and experienced by all who went. The kingdom of God appears and arises in unexpected places and people. In the narrative from the book of Genesis that we've been hearing for the last couple of months, we've been treated to the stories of the founding patriarchs and matriarchs of Israel. We haven't gotten all the pieces because the lectionary editors do some cutting and pasting along the way, but we have gotten the gist of the story. And as today's snippet of uh, Genesis especially indicates, it is a very, very human story that we get in Genesis. It's full of family intrigues and dishonesty and trickery and intrigue, potential tragedy. It's also full of joy and bravery and humor and romance and faithfulness and miracles. And as often as not, the characters are not particularly holy or godly, uh, a lot like us, we might say. And yet, this narrative from the book of Genesis is the holy narrative of God's people, collected and cherished from thousands of years ago as a reminder that God's people are chosen not because they deserve it, but because God does it. Through the limited and imperfect actions of brave and cowardly people, God's plan unfolds. Human beings, both brave and cowardly, are God's chosen vessels for God's redeeming plan. Again, a lot like us, the kingdom of God appears and arises in unexpected places and people. Jesus makes this even more clear in the gospel lessons today. He tells a number of parables in the lesson today that try to uh, unpack what the kingdom of God or what the kingdom of heaven is like. As you know, parables are brief stories that draw on the everyday, ordinary experience of people that provoke or challenge us to think about God in new ways. Usually, for us moderns, the parables that we hear in the stories that Jesus tells require a bit of unpacking since we're a long way from the first century and what was kind of ordinary everyday experience for them might be hardly ordinary for us. In today's passage, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a mustard seed, to yeast, to treasure in a field, to a fishing net, to a merchant in search of fine pearls. But I think the parable that is most striking, that's most unusual, that really challenges us and is uh, in an unexpected way to think about the way God works is the parable about the yeast. Now at first glance, this would seem to be a rather, a very wholesome image. What could be more wholesome and, uh, you know, just good than a woman baking bread? Right? That seems to be what the image is pointing out here. I mean, what could be better than homemade bread and the, the domestic picture of it, flour all over the place and yeast and the, the smell? I mean, what could be more wholesome and wonderful? And yet, on closer examination, scholars tell us that something quite different might be going on here on at least three levels. First, in first century Palestine, uh, if you want to talk about someone holy, 
you probably wouldn't have used a woman as an example. A male image would have been the more holy image to choose. So that's kind of unusual. Second, in the history of Israel, leaven or yeast was also considered kind of unholy. Uh, if you recall the story of the Exodus, it was very important that the Israelites make unleavened bread. Unleavened bread was what was going to help them get out of Egypt quickly. And if you, uh, today, to this day, uh, in observant Jewish households, one of the things that you might do to prepare for Passover is to clean out all your cupboards that might have anything with yeast in it. Get it out of the house. It's not holy. So yeast, this is also an, uh, an unexpected image. And third, you put yeast into the dough. It's kind of hidden. It's covered up. And usually in Scripture, when we talk about something being holy or God's action happening, we talk about something being revealed, uncovered, shown to the world, light. And yet here Jesus is using an image of kind of covering, of folding up, of hiding. So, in this example of Jesus, that Jesus uses trying to explain what the kingdom of God is like, he uses very unexpected, very unusual, very unlikely images to explain what the kingdom of God is about. A woman using yeast, folding it in to dough. Countercultural. It seems to me what Jesus is saying to us then is that one of the characteristics of the kingdom of God is that it defies our attempts to predict where it's active. It defies our attempts to say who's in and who's out, who's got it and who doesn't. Well, there's holiness. Well, that's not holy. The kingdom of God defies our certainty of where God is active. The kingdom of God arises and appears in unexpected people in unexpected places. As many of you probably know, right now in England is taking place the every 10 years Lambeth Conference of Anglican bishops from all over the world. Hundreds of bishops representing the 77 million or so Anglicans around the world are gathered in Canterbury for prayer, for worship, for study, for fellowship and conversation about the challenges and successes that are facing the Anglican Communion right now, both within the Communion and uh, outside of the Communion. And uh, in particular, there has been kind of a media circus uh, around the presence of Gene Robinson and the absence of about 200, 250 bishops who decided not to accept the Archbishop of Canterbury's invitation to attend because there'd be other bishops present who had participated in the consecration of Gene Robinson. So Gene Robinson wasn't invited, but he's there on the periphery um, having meetings with people, uh, large meetings in fact, some of them. Some bishops came in defiance 
of what their archbishops would have them do. And the media is covering all of this uh, with some glee, I think. Perhaps some of you uh, saw Alex Bean's piece in the Globe yesterday. Hard to find a more cynical, um, dismissive piece uh, about what's happening in Lambeth. If you didn't read it, I encourage you to find it on the web. Uh, he basically says, nothing is happening. Nothing. In any case, um, if you have read any of the emails from our bishops uh, on the diocesan website, you know that there is other stuff happening as well. And actually there are copies of Bud and Tom and Gail's latest missives from Lambeth on the back table there. There are two stacks. One is Bud's and one is um, Gail and Tom's. When you read those, if you haven't read them already, you'll see that amidst the unlikely spectacle of Lambeth with all the media hoopla and all the distractions about sort of side issues, not that sexuality isn't important, but it's not the only thing going on, far from it. There's a lot of the kingdom of God breaking out among people. There are some amazing, quiet moments of real reconciliation, of real joy, of real love, of real coming together of people who wouldn't even have been speaking before meeting to one another, meeting with one another. A lot of small group Bible study going on that while revealing differences is also revealing common humanity and common love of God that joins us more than anything could separate us. The kingdom of God arises and appears in unexpected people and places, even at Lambeth, even under a couch, even at the circus. Amen.